Alrighty, well, God bless you guys and welcome to Swerve Church. So glad you guys all made it out to join us today. My name is Danny. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet just yet, I'm the pastor here and I'm super excited to be beginning a brand new series with each and every single one of you today that is focused on the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, depending on your faith uh, tradition or your faith background, we might all have varying degrees of understanding about the Holy Spirit. Like, who is this guy? What's the Holy Spirit about? All right, depending where you come up, and, and it seems like in my experience, the pendulum tends to swing in one of two ways. A lot of times when we're talking about the third person of the Trinity, we talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes there's an underemphasis, and sometimes there's an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit, right? And when there's an underemphasis, people tend to treat the Holy Spirit like a secret, right? Like that the Holy Spirit's a secret. Yeah, like it's in the Bible and it's in there and we talk about it, but shh, you know, we don't talk about it here, right? It's a secret. Don't tell anybody, right? It's kind of like that weird cousin that married his half-sister, right? You don't talk about him, right, during dinner at Thanksgiving, right? You just say, yeah, yeah, there's a thing that happened. It's weird, but yeah, we don't talk about it, right? And sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit that way, I'd say for me personally, in my, my background, my upbringing, there was definitely an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit in my uh, faith tradition. And, and most of the time, the Holy Spirit would be the one that we gave the excuse uh, to be the one that conjured up all the emotions in the service, right? Uh, for us growing up, and my, again, once again, the way I grew up, you know, the, the Holy Spirit was the one that gave you all the goosebumps, right? The one that made the hair raised on the back of your neck, that was the Holy Spirit. That's, that's who he was. And of course, uh, in the church that I grew up in, the Holy Spirit slayed you out. I don't know why, but that's, that's what he did. He just, he made people fall over. It seemed like that was the main job of the Holy Spirit in my church. He made people fall back. And uh, man, if there was nobody to catch you when that happened, dude, you, you, got, you got a knot on the back of your head when you landed, okay? That's just what it happened. That's just the way it was. And that was an expectation growing up. You know, the determining factor of whether or not the church service was good uh, was whether or not the anointing of the Holy Ghost was there. Right? If the anointing of the Holy Ghost was there, then that would determine that that was a, a good service, which, mean, which meant, in my tradition, once again, that there had to be jumping. All right? There had to be hooting and hollering and falling and messy hair. And, you know, let's be honest, the church services appeared to have no end to them. That's the way it was. Now, a lot of you, that wasn't your tradition. You didn't grow up that way. But for me, it was. But is that what Jesus meant? When we look at the scriptures, when he mentions the Holy Spirit, is that what Jesus meant? We went out to dinner a few, uh, with a couple friends a couple months ago. And uh, one, of, one of my friends happens to be in the medical field. Okay, And she went on to tell me that a lot of people in her line of work they tend to fall in one or two um, kind of belief streams or belief systems. Um, uh, you know, they were either, they tended to be atheistic in their beliefs, or she said in her, in her line of work, a lot of them were Muslim. And she told me that in entering into spiritual conversations with a lot of her Muslim colleagues, that they would tell her they couldn't get behind her Christian faith. Because according to them, she said that Christians believe in three gods. And of course, what they were referring to, what they were confusing was the doctrine of, of the Trinity. So many of her Muslim colleagues couldn't reason, you know, with what she believed because they believed that she believed in three gods. 
And admittedly, the idea of the Trinity can be something that is difficult for us to wrap our minds around, right? And so she was asking me advice on how to approach this. And, uh, and this is what I told her, you know, maybe good advice, it may not, but this is what I said. And, you know, first of all, uh, a God that we can completely wrap our minds around is no God at all. Now, if you can fully grasp God, then you don't have a God, right? You have someone that you can understand. And so if there is an infinite being that is beyond space and time, then we have to come to the conclusion that on this side of heaven, it will be impossible for us to completely wrap our minds entirely around him. By the way, if you're here today or if you're watching the live stream and you have questions and you have doubts, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you have those questions and doubts. And those questions and doubts are welcome here. I'm so glad you're with us and you're welcome to it. And I, I invite you to continue to be a part of this community. And let's just wrestle with those questions together. Let's wrestle with those doubts together. And secondly, what I told my friend was that the doctrine of the Trinity is that God is three persons in one being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one being, one God. And there's many examples that people have used to try and explain the Trinity. And every example that they kind of use, every anecdote that's used is flawed. Okay, but sometimes people say, well, you know, the Trinity is kind of like water. Right? You know how water can exist in three different ways, right? Water can be liquidy, right? Water can be solid as ice. And water can be vapor or gas, right? Like kind of when you, when you steam it, right? It can become steam. Uh, some people say the Holy Spirit is like an egg. And the egg is kind of three parts, right? You got the yolk, you got the egg white, you got the shell. You know, they try to explain God, you know, the, the, the Trinity that way. Again, every example is flawed in trying to understand God. Like if you can't, we, it's, it's going to be impossible for us to completely wrap our minds around God. But the one thing that I find the most helpful is when I examine myself. And I realize that I'm made up of multiple things. I'm made up of at least three things. Right, think about this. We all exist in mind, body, and soul. Right? The Bible talks about each and every single one of these things, and I find that helpful uh, when I think about God this way. You know, we're incredibly complex beings, and we're made up of different parts, but we're one person. Right? We're made in the image and likeness of God, and God is like that as well, right? And again, every example is flawed, but I find that very helpful when I consider myself made up of three different parts. But what does the Bible tell us about the Holy Spirit? What, is the, what does the Bible say? And listen, I don't want you to be scared of the Holy Spirit, and I don't want you to neglect the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what does the Bible teach us about Him so that we might be Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered, and Spirit-filled followers of Jesus? Because we want to have a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and the role that he plays in the followers of Jesus. And guys, i, I got to be honest with you. I just think that this is something that is so important that we must come to an understanding of. we got to wrestle with this. And I invite you to do that. So we're going to be reading a passage in John chapter 14. So if you want to open up your message notes, the Bible verses are there. Or if you want to uh, turn on your Bible, you can turn it on to John chapter 14. Um, let, let me give you uh, the context first, right? Jesus is talking with his friends, the disciples. He's having a conversation uh, with them. And he spent about three years doing ministry with, with these guys, doing ministry alongside of them. And Jesus knows that his time on earth is coming to an end. And he's going to eventually be led to the cross to die a criminal's death in order to atone for the sins of the world. 
And so it's in that context that we, in these last few moments, as he's instructing his disciples, giving kind of his parting words, he says this in John chapter 14. Let's pick it up in verse 16. You guys got it? It's on the screen as well. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what? What does that say right there? Another counselor, counselor to be with you forever. Okay, Jesus, well, who's this counselor? What are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? Well, he's going to tell us in verse 17, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. If you guys like to take extra notes, I would invite you to circle in, in your notes where it says counselor and then just draw a line to where it says the spirit of truth. The word that's translated counselor is the Greek word parakletos, okay? It's the Greek word parakletos and is actually made up of two different words. Para means to come alongside of, and kletos means called out. And in a very real way, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside of the called out ones, the followers of Jesus. I, I have the definition for you there, or a couple different words, uh, translations. Uh, parakletos is an intercessor, it's a, a consoler, an advocate, a comforter, a helper. This is who the Holy Spirit is. He's an intercessor, controller. Who is, who is the Holy Spirit? He, he's an intercessor. He's a counselor. He's an advocate, a comforter, and a helper. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if this is who the Holy Spirit is, and if this is the role of the Holy Spirit, then I need Him in my life. I need help. I need comfort. I need someone to advocate on my behalf. I need the Holy Spirit. Jesus would go on to tell his disciples this, and, and remember that in, in the, this is in the context of warning his disciples that his time with them was coming to an end, and perhaps that as he's telling, he's breaking this news, and he's telling that he would no longer be with them, and I would imagine the disciples are feeling heartbroken. Maybe they feel lonely. They, maybe they feel uh, uh, abandoned or desperate, certainly maybe feeling a little bit without hope. And it's in that context that Jesus says this in John chapter 16, Verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Jesus, what are you talking about? We've been with you all this time. We've been experiencing all this with you. We've seen your miracles. We've seen you at hand. Jesus, how is it beneficial that you go away? And he goes on to say, Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says it's beneficial that I no longer stay here with you guys. I got to move on. But you know what? I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come with you. And so here's the question that comes to my mind. If Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is for our benefit, then why are so many people living a spiritless life? If the Holy Spirit is so important and so powerful, why are we so out of tune to who he is? I think there's a couple reasons. You can write this down, number one, in your notes. I think it's because some are just not aware of the Holy Spirit. And this is where some of you are today. You're just not aware of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're a newer Christian, and this is just something that hasn't been brought to your attention very much, or... Or maybe you come from a tradition that suppressed the Holy Spirit and treated him like, like a toenail fungus, right? It's like, 
you know, nobody wants to see that. Like, keep your shoes on, keep your socks on. Nobody wants to see your toenail fungus. Thank you very much. Right? Maybe that's how they treated the Holy Spirit. You know, and this was the case for some people in the early church. Um, in, in the book of Acts, you read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and thousands of people come into faith in Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread all over the region. And in one instance, the Apostle Paul, he's traveling along in one of his missionary journeys, and he has an interaction with a group of people. Now, these, these people had become followers of Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus. But look at the conversation that he has with them. This is Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. It says this, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions, and he came to Ephesus. And he found some disciples... He finds some followers of Jesus, some people that made Jesus their, their Lord and Savior. They were all in. They were committed. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And look at the response of these devoted followers of Jesus. They said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit who? Holy Spirit what? Who, who is that? These, these earnest and honest followers of Jesus hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And the premise, according to Paul, is that their faith was missing something. They got the Jesus part, but they were missing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they didn't even know that it existed. It's kind of like my experience with Krispy Kreme. You see, all my life, I grew up with two types of donuts. I grew up, I had Entenmann's, and I had Dunkin', right? Dunkin' Donuts and Entenmann's. I had never heard of this superior donut called Krispy Kreme. And without the knowledge of the existence of Krispy Kreme, and without any exposure to the glory and majesty and power of Krispy Kreme, I was walking around my life Krispy Kremeless. And people would ask me, have you ever heard of a thing called Krispy Kreme? And I'd say, no, I've, I've never heard of such a thing. What is this cream that you call Krispy? But one day, one glorious day, deliverance came, and I was able to taste and see that Krispy Kreme is good. And listen, Entenmann's, I love it. I'm, I'm here for it. Duncan, anytime, anywhere, any place. But Krispy Kreme, that's a whole nother level, right? Amen, anybody? Anybody had Krispy Kreme? <laughs> you know, but seriously, in a small way, that's how many of us, as followers of Jesus, live our lives. We live our lives without tapping into the power and the presence and comfort that the Holy Spirit provides. And sometimes it's because we're just oblivious to Him. Listen, we have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. The same power that conquered the grave lives inside the life of every believer, inside of every person who calls on the name of Jesus. Listen, the scriptures say of the Holy Spirit that he comforts us in John chapter 14, verse 16. He is our comforter. So when you are mourning, when you are troubled, when you are hurt, when you are feeling alone, 
when you are anxious, the Holy Spirit can bring you comfort. The Holy Spirit can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And this is where some of you are today. You have experienced the loss of a loved one recently. Or maybe you've been experiencing a lot of pain and, and anguish or a sickness that won't go away. Or maybe you've been so overwhelmed by the pain caused by the realities of these past two years. And that has given you extreme levels of stress and anxiety. Then you know what you need? You need the Holy Spirit as your comforter to uphold you and to strengthen you during these trying times. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our counselor in John 16, 7. And this means that He is our helper. When you are confused, when you're lost, when you have questions and doubts and fears, when you lack direction and you don't know which way to go, when you're afraid about what the future may hold, the Holy Spirit is your counselor. And this is where some of you are today. You're confused about what direction your life should go. You have more questions than answers. Should I quit my job? Should I start a new career? Should I marry this person? Should I study this? Or, or what should I major in? And what you need is the Holy Spirit as your counselor who can whisper into your heart the direction that the Lord would will for your life. The direction that would bring about the most fruitfulness for the glory of God. The Bible says of the Holy Spirit that He will convict you in John 16, verse 8. And when you're being led astray, or when you're being tempted by our spiritual enemy, when the world shouts and yells from the rooftops the way that you should go, when the culture pulls you to reject God, and when your own sinful flesh creeps up on you, then you need the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin. And this is where some of you are today. You've been living a life of sin. And culture and peers and temptation are pulling you in every rich way. And you've made poor and foolish decisions. And as a result, you're dealing with shame and guilt and resentment. And what you need is the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin and to lead you to repentance and to draw you into the loving and forgiving arms of God. If Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is for our benefit, then why are so many people, people living spiritless lives? Number two, for some, it's because we resist the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we live spiritless lives because we can simply resist or reject the Holy Spirit. And this is when you can sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but you selfishly and foolishly decide to do things your own way. And this could play out in a variety of different ways, but maybe you sense the Holy Spirit pulling you away from doing something that you shouldn't do. He's, he's calling you and He's pulling you away from committing a certain sin, but you gravitate to what you want to do and what you like to do and what you think feels good. So you resist the Holy Spirit so that you can do what you want. Sometimes you can perhaps sense the Holy Spirit drawing you and He's pushing you towards doing something. Towards doing something good. And maybe He's calling you to step out in faith 
and to share the gospel with that co-worker, to invite that neighbor to come to church with you. And maybe you sense the Holy Spirit calling you to be more generous with your time and talent and treasure, but instead you choose to resist Him in order so that you can live a more safe, secure, and comfortable life. Well, what happens is that if you continue to resist the Holy Spirit, your heart can become more and more calloused. Your heart can harden. And perhaps this is where some of you are today. You've resisted the Holy Spirit so much that your heart is hardened and it's leading you to live a spiritless life. We see this play out in the book of Acts um, through a, uh, the words of a godly man named Stephen, the the, Stephen was the first documented Christian martyr in the New Testament. And the Bible describes him as a godly man who, who loved Jesus and loved serving others. And he ultimately had accusations um, brought up against him. And he's persecuted by the religious leaders of his day. But filled with the Holy Spirit and zealous for the gospel of Jesus Christ, he boldly calls out the religious leaders and he leads them through the scriptures to call out their religiosity and to call them to repent and put their faith in Jesus. Well, in a part of this spirit-filled proclamation, look at what he says in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. This is what he says to those religious leaders. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are always what? What does it say right there? You are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. You see, what Stephen is declaring here is that the Holy Spirit had been revealing Jesus and had been revealing the kingdom of God to the Jewish leaders, but their hearts have been so hardened by their constant suppression of the Holy Spirit. And this is my fear for each of us here that the Holy Spirit would be calling, that the Holy Spirit would be compelling, that the Holy Spirit would be convicting us, but that we would turn deaf ears and that we would resist the Holy Spirit to such a degree that we would become like those religious leaders of Stephen's day and grow stiff-necked and hard-hearted. That's my fear. And today... Perhaps Jesus is calling you right now through the power of the Holy Spirit because He loves you so much to stop resisting the Holy Spirit because what God's got in store for you is way better than what you can ever have for yourself. And today, perhaps Jesus is calling you right now through the power of the Holy Spirit to stop that that dishonors God or to begin that thing that he's been calling you to do, to stop resisting the Holy Spirit and to begin listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and to take steps of obedience. Maybe, just maybe, the, this is the Holy Spirit whispering to you today, calling you, reminding you, convicting you, and lovingly pointing you back to Jesus so that you can experience the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the restorative, the redemptive work of God in your life. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's the comforter who comforts us in our pain or in our hurt 
He's the counselor that helps us when we are lost or confused. He's the one that convicts us and draws us to repent and experience God's forgiveness and mercy. Why are so many people living spiritless lives? Sometimes we're just not aware of the Holy Spirit. And I need you to know that we have access to the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. Sometimes we resist the Holy Spirit. And I would urge you to not allow your heart to be hardened, but to submit to the Spirit's promptings today. I invite the worship team up here, and uh, we're going to sing one more song and participate in a moment of communion. But as we wrap up our time, I want to speak to some of you today. Perhaps you're in this room, or maybe you're watching the live stream online, and the Holy Spirit's stirring something in you. He's communicating to you the immense amount of love that God has for you. And perhaps today you're hearing the message of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time or the millionth time. But today it's different. And that's because the Holy Spirit is reminding you of the extent of God's love through the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. And perhaps the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin. And it is that sin that distanced and broke our relationship with God and condemned us to an eternity apart from God and destined us for destruction, except that God would intervene, putting on human flesh in the person and work of Jesus. And Jesus would live a perfect and sinless life and die the death that you and I deserve, carrying the sin of the world upon his back. And through every drop of blood and every nail driven through his body, would shout God's love for you. And his death would ultimately satisfy God's wrath for our sin. And three days later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus would conquer Satan's sin and death and he rose from the grave so that we can have life, so that we can experience our eternity secure. And maybe today in this room or watching the live stream, the Holy Spirit is calling out to you to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've been pursuing other things or you've been putting your hope in other people or other things that constantly fall short. And the Holy Spirit today is inviting you to participate in God's love demonstrated through Jesus. And all you have to do is put your faith in Him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, if we have not been aware or if we have suppressed or silenced the Holy Spirit, I pray you would awaken us to experience the power of God through the Spirit. And God, I pray that you would forgive us, God, for resisting the Holy Spirit. May we humbly submit and follow you where you would lead us. Lord, I pray through the power of the Spirit that we would leave what you ask us to leave, that we would go where you would ask us to go, that we do what you would ask us to do. I pray, God, that hard hearts would become hearts of flesh. 
And I pray, God, for a church so overfilled with the Spirit of God. That we would walk in this truth and share your love to all that we would encounter and live this truth out each day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.